Victoria, Lair of Behemoths, is almost completely spoiled and it has proven to be one of the most divisive sets in a long time. Big splashy effects, bold top-down design and a slew of new mechanics that wouldn't look out of place in an unset, is Akoria a healthy expansion of the game or has Magic jumped the Shark Beast once and for all? Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast. We talk about all things magic, flavor, design and lore. My name is Andy Mann. Hello, I'm Nathan Cancel. And we are here today to talk about Ikoria, Ikoria proper. It's finally been spoiled. Today is actually the last day of spoilers. So there are still a couple trickling out. Um, they've just yeah. literally, they've literally in the past hour released the tokens. Last, uh, last week, Nathan, you said you thought the, uh, the cat dinosaurs looked, didn't look cute. Gavin Verhey promised you that they were going to look cute. Oh, crap, cute. like that to be proven wrong. I think the cat tokens are pretty cute. If you look it up now, it's literally, looking, literally just been spoiled. Now, wait, wait. Um, as he's looking up those cat tokens to be proven wrong about how cute they are, we are going to be talking today about the spoilers. Um, we're going to break down our Aquaria sort of discussions across three episodes. Uh, our first episode, which is this one today, is going to be about the uh, mechanics, so it's going to be our Mel episode. Uh, we're going to be looking mainly at the set proper, um, but of course the Commander sets have also been released uh, at this time, so we'll probably end up talking about them because it's a little bit too confusing to keep splitting them up because they're so intrinsically linked. Uh, and then over our next two episodes, we'll be doing lore breakdowns. So next week, we'll be talking about the monsters of Akoria and about the Akoria sort of typography, the plane itself and how it's split up. And then uh, the week after that, we'll be talking about the humans of Akoria because... At initial glance, you might have thought that the humans of Akoria didn't actually play too much of a role, but reading through the uh, ebook, the novel by Django Wexler, their son of Bond, and by looking at the cards themselves, humans actually are pretty much half of the set and have their own flavor and feeling as well. So I think they deserve their own episode. Um, Nate, have you seen the cat tokens? Fuck me. They're really cute, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why didn't this artist do the regular artwork? Why? <laughs> these are so much cooler than the weird reptilian changeling things. Why? I mean, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know that it's not the same artist. So uh, we'll have to look that up after the show. But yeah, the the cat oh, token be a lot cuter than the uh, than Gavi. What is it? Brown versus the. I don't think it's the same. I think it's a different artist. Yeah, it's a different artist. Oh, well, there we go then. Yes, the cat tokens are a lot cuter on the tokens themselves than they are yeah. on the artwork, yeah. And there's yeah, also those... cat birds in the regular set with wings. Which yeah. is, it, it, do you know what's really weird? Is that they try... I, I feel like... You know that um, core set where they had the... Um, I can't remember what the card is now. And it's Ginger Cat, and it's got the wings, the, 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 like, the enchantment that gives it wings. Oh, yeah, I know the one, yeah. I think it's... I think it's was it from Ixalan? I'm pretty sure it's from Ixalan. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's jumping off the side of a boat. Potentially, I don't quite know. Yeah, anyway, so I feel that that was that the absolute the internet were absolute pants over this and went absolutely crazy and wet themselves. And I feel like they've just gone, okay, right, just put, put, put wings on cats from now on and we've got a set sold. They definitely done. have leaned in. As well. Yeah. They're flying foxes as well. They, they knew, have, they, did they listen to my Archon idea? And I just wanted foxes <laughs> and wings and they gave them to They me. have, there's a lot of foxes in this set and a few of them do. I know, right? I'm super um, happy. I do feel like, in general, every set that comes out does seem to have more and more cats in it. Because they started off with the, the recent Ravnica sets, uh, Ravnica, Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance. Mm. So there was a peppering of cats. And obviously, Amon- well, there was also cats in um, what's it called beforehand as well. Um, Amon Cat. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, that was a few years ago. And then they didn't really do many. And then for the past sort of four or five sets, every set's had at least two or three cats, which have been sort of very prominent and very cute, you know. So anyway, uh, right, cool. you've, derailed, you've derailed me on the bloody, on the bloody dinosaur cats because they are absolutely delightful. Yeah, they these are. little fangs, honestly. Oh, so I also really like um, looking at them. They've brought back the um, goblin token from Shadowmoor for the red green goblin. Oh, have they? Is that the same one? 
I believe so. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the if you look at the artwork on it, the um, ears look very um, hobgobliny, very yeah. Um, boggity. Yeah, very. Yeah, so that's, that's a cool little little thing. Um, otherwise, the feather token looks really cool as well from the commander set. That's really cool. Oh, I haven't seen any of those tokens yet. Any of the uh, yeah, they've just they've released both sets of tokens. I got the wrong ones first time looking. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyway, with a big capital A, um, let, should we move on? Because we've got a lot to get through. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, we're looking at the mechanics today. Uh, we obviously will be touching on how they sort of express what's going on in the set flavorfully. Um, but obviously, as we've discussed in many episodes, Vorthos is both the Mel and the Vorthos, we think, and should be. Um, so today we're doing the Mel. So we're going to be looking at mechanics. And uh, Nathan, I believe that's, that's more your realm than mine. So if you want to jump into it and take us away. Okay, cool. Right. So yeah, so Mutate, um, we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, I got it slightly wrong um, in terms of how they stack and, and structure themselves in terms of one creature. Um, the, basically, what you do is you get the creature on top, um, so the parent toughness of the creature on top, the ability box of the creature on top, with any of the ability boxes underneath addendumed onto it, basically. Um, so I think I got it slightly wrong last week in my vernacular, so... Don't don't hate me. I literally had read it within like ten minutes. Yeah, well, um, no, so, I mean, this is a good chance. We've digested things a lot more now. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually understand how the mechanic works a bit better now. I'm not just going. Oh my god! Look at all these new words and new colours and cats. Anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> so basically, um, obviously, it kind of works a bit like the stone. And the thing I like about um, about the a mutate mechanic is that um, if you kill the creature, you're enchanting. Uh, not enchanting. Sorry, mutating onto. No, you don't get the mutate trigger, but you still get the creature that you're putting into play, sitting in play. So you're not actually going to lose, um, if they do it in response, they're not, you're not actually going to lose anything. So you still will either guarantee they keep your creature, or if you're mutating, get your mutate trigger before they kill the entire stack. Um, because of this, what's quite clever is that pretty much all but a couple of the mutate abilities um, have automatic card advantage um, in, 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 put in with the trigger. Um, so either they make your opponent sacrifice a creature, um, or discard a card, or you'll flip cards from the t um, exile from the top of your library until you hit a non-land, all that kind of nonsense. Mm. Basically a way to recoup the card from your hand, um, either I say either taking it away from your opponent, uh, two for one them or whatever, to make sure that you don't lose too much value when your thing dies. Um, obviously, most mut um, all of the mutates have a mutate um, um, ability. They wouldn't just be a vanilla, a vanilla creature. Some of them are quite um, cool. There's a flash one, an octopus flash one, for example, um, as well as having like all the, all, the, all the typical ones. Now, what I've noticed is outside of the mythics and a couple of others that have very, very good effects um, um, linked to their mutate trigger, um, all of the mutate costs are one less than the card it cost, itself costs normally, um, okay. which, in, which, which to me makes it look as if what they want you to do is they want you to mutate up the curve. They want you to start with one of your smaller creatures that might have one keyword ability like Vigilance or whatever, or say the snake that's in the set that um, gives a creature minus two, minus two whenever it mutates. You want to put one of these down first, and then the idea is I think they're trying to kind of push you towards looking at the card and going, yeah, I could just get a 5-4. And don't get me wrong, with all of these creatures um, that have mutate abilities, you can mutate onto them to get those abilities as well. It depends if you obviously want to have your creature in play first um, and, then, and then basically build it up quickly or if you want to have the guaranteed creature in play and then risk may maybe missing out on that mutate trigger if it gets killed before you can mutate onto it. So it does create a lot of decision trees. Um, and I think this is really, really uh, important for a limited um, format to be diverse um, and and... Uh, and interesting is that you get a lot of choices at every point of what to do with your cards. Bestow mm. was especially like this. There are a lot of times where um, you would want to get the tooth one if you'd want to be able to get it bestowed onto the creatures. Then when it dies, you got the creature again anyway and all that nonsense. But sometimes you didn't really want to risk it. So you, you'd basically just play down the creature as it would normally. Or, for example, if you don't have another creature to mutate onto and you draw it late game, you can late game a mutate creature, play it. Um, sorry, late game top deck. Um, your first um, a mutate creature then top deck another one and suddenly you've got a monster again so yeah. um i do like the fight it mitigates um its own inherent card disadvantage 
which I think is something that people would, less, uh, would worry about. Um, and then also the fact that you've uh, got this choice effect of whether or not you play your big creature with mutate ability first and you take little things onto it or the other way around if you want to be aggressive or mm. whatever. So, yeah, do, so it's plenty, you, plenty of decision trees. Do you think that this mutate effect is, is an effective representation of these creatures kind of, uh, sort of spontaneously evolving as they go? Like we saw in the trailer how the, uh, if in the trailer Vivian downs uh, a, a sort of insect worm thing and then it mutates into a big helium with like lava spitting out of it sort of spontaneously. It's kind of upgraded. Do you think this is a good way of it being represented on the cardboard or do you think it's maybe a bit too convoluted? Uh, see, this is funny because um, I don't think mutate represents this as well as the keyword counter does. I think the mm. keyword the keyword counter seems to work much better if you keep adding different um, weapons to your Swiss Army knife creature. Yeah. Um, whereas mutate feels more like if you ever played Yu-Gi-Oh and you know the card polarization, then this is exactly what this feels like. Um, one way I think they could have mitigated this is by forcing you either to mutate under or um, that you could only mutate under or you could only mutate over. Um, right. so, so I think it'd be a bit weird. That, I think it's weird that you have your cap, you know, your 2-2 cap, and then suddenly, instead of you adding the, the, another creature's abilities into the cat and the cat adding, and, and, and you can basically turn it the other way around and go, no, actually, this is the creature that I've got now, and the cat's abilities are now involved in that creature. I feel like you should have to stick with the base creature of whatever you first played, and you yeah. can add the abilities on underneath it, rather than having the choice of one or another. Um, because this is something we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I want to talk about it in a little bit, but it's just going to create... it. It's not necessarily, um, in my mind, it doesn't feel too confusing because I'm quite a seasoned player. But I can see how it could be confusing and it might play better in person. But in my mind, it already feels a bit strange that you have to, you've already got, as much as you've got decisions as whether you play the creature with a mutate cost or as a regular creature, you've now got a choice of what goes top, what goes bottom. And yeah, normally these decisions aren't particularly difficult to come to the quote unquote right option. The fact that you have an opportunity to make the wrong decision can obviously it, it, it's, a, it's a skill test for sure. I mean, it, it, um, definitely, it definitely doesn't feel as intuitive to me. And I, I mean, I'm a relatively seasoned player by this point. I don't feel that this, thinking about it, I don't think this is as clean as you say the keyword counters, which yeah. it's odd. I actually really didn't think of them being sort of comparable. I thought they were very different sort of flavor things. But no, you are right. They are both different ways to kind of kit up your creature. And yeah, the keyword sort of tokens definitely feel more like you're picking and choosing what you're doing. But I suppose that this is... Yeah, this is an. I think this is definitely for a limited environment rather than anything else. Yeah, Although they have yeah, done commander sure. cards with this, this um, mechanic on them. I think yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to have to see it in front of you with the cardboard or on arena yeah. or you're playing it. But uh, yeah, interesting, interesting for sure. Yeah, because I think in the trader, for example, I think that it almost looks like that weird insect creature gets like plus one plus one counters. Like that's what that that in my brain, that's what plus one plus one counters feel like when you get like boom, 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 you know in anime where like muscles expand outside the clothing <laughs> and the clothing yeah. rips and everything. That's plus one plus one counters to me. So yeah, I feel like sure. that's yeah. I feel like it's I, I like the idea of it, and I feel like it was their way of trying to blackboard or augment in a way that works within the rules. Um, I just think that it is a bit. It, it also the fact it's a bit in um, uh, parasitic. The fact you have to because I really want to put a, a Luna. Um, we'll come come onto a Luna when we get to choice cards later. I really want to put a Luna in my Maelstrom Wonder deck, but you can't mutate off of the Cascade trigger, mm. which is really annoying. So you kind of obviously I don't mind having a six six flying trample. But the whole point is the trigger only works. If, but I suppose they had, to, to it. they had to in, build into the mechanic itself. They had to build in limitations. Otherwise, essentially what they're going is they're going, oh, by the way, from now on in this set, we have creatures that are just bonkers that you can make other creatures bonkers with and there's no yeah, to doing so. Do you know what I mean? So I think they, I think yeah. they had to build in these limitations. 
No, I do agree. It's just a shame if you want to play that one big splashy effect, uh, unless it's mutating onto something else, then you have to play other, play other mutate cards to be able to get it to work. So, I mean, also, I mean, it does have to cause you to jump through a few hoops. As you say, it's not just ubiquitously powerful. Um, and I like the fact that they, what I like, another thing I like about um, the mutates, um, we'll get, I'll talk about this um, again when we get onto the colors later, um, the fact that you hybrid the mutate cost to allow either the, Either you go full wedge and you, and you can pay it for its regular wedge cost, or you can dilute it down into either of the other wedges that you're playing, or even um, allied color pairs that you're playing, or whatever. And you can yeah, pay that's it that definitely way. a decision they've made from doing other particular sets where they. Yeah, we want we want people. Yeah, we want our big splashy mythics to be playable. Um, mm. And if you can't play for the actual normal cost, at least the mutates easier, and they, the mutates the ability they want you to be activating. They want you to be mutating these cards. This is why all of the mutates are slightly cheaper than the regular cost, apart from the mythics. And they're more expensive and easier to cast, so you can cast more easily in more decks that you play. I think that's mm. the point. They always want their new mechanic to be played as much as possible. So they have to make it as viable and open and opportunistic as possible. Cool. Well, that's music. Okay, right. So, so we've got the um, second, second on the road to is Companion. <laughs> um, we've got over it <laughs> a little bit since last week. I've calmed down massively. Um, it's a good thing we're isolated. I did a lot of punching. Um, Talking about your uh, your excitement and then your disappointment at Lutri. The no, 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 that card does not exist, as far as I'm okay. concerned. There's only nine. There are only nine companions in this set. Um, <laughs> we've seen eight of them. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I've, my 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 vehement anger has been um, quashed by the fact that we've now got a fox companion, and the fox companion looks so good. And there's no oh, way that's the, no the Boros companion, right? Yeah. There's no way they're banning it. If they ban it, I swear to God, I'm going to burn, no, 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 burn no. all they my cards. They won't do that. There's, there's, there's no exactly. way they're going to do that. In command. So, yeah. So, um, and it's also funny, like, the more... Lutri was such a big thing for me because it was, like, only the third companion we'd seen. And it was just... But now I look at it compared to the others and it's like, oh, that's actually pretty shit compared to the other ones. The only reason it was so good is because our format dictated there was no opportunity cost to playing it. Um, I think, I can, the, I, yeah, the, the decision to ban it in EDH... I think you'd be very hard pressed to find a reason why that's unreasonable for them to have done so. I think it was just a yeah, shock no, that they yeah. did it the day that it got spoiled. It's not yeah. even been released yet. And for some commander players, for not even for some, for many commander players, maybe not most, um, banning things before you have a chance to play them is almost against what EDH is about. Um, which, you know, that's that's their hill to die on, but I, I completely understand why they banned it out of EDH. Like it was it was too much. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. And it's funny also that considering its effect is one of the weaker effects, but the fact, the way the formatting of the card in our format, the way it worked, um, yeah, I can, I can, I'm, I'm 100% behind the back. And it's just that my frustration was out of an inability to be able to at least play the card a little bit first. And I don't like the fact when I only really play Commander um, extensively, I'm not going to have an opportunity to play with the card as much. But it's not as if there are, you know, several several thousand other cards I could be playing with. So yeah, you don't have 25 years of magic to pull from, right? No, yeah, I'm sure I'll get over it. So, um, but yeah, so Companion's quite interesting. Uh, the only one where, so it's a 10-card cycle. Um, they're all hybrid um, guilds, um, guild cards, basically. The only one we're missing is the blue-white one. Um, when there was an article out a couple of weeks ago, uh, basically talking from one of the designers, and they were saying that there was only one stipulation from the Companions that they weren't able to get to work in draft. Now, you can do some thinking about this if you go look throughout through all of them, um, and some of them would seem more reasonable than others. Um, I feel like the Boris one's quite interesting because it's activated ability, so maybe, maybe that might not be quite so easy. But the fact that each of them has a stipulation, so you can only play, um, you can only play certain basic, a specific set of cards in your deck, whether mm. it's even-costed, odd-costed, um, different name for each of them, different mana cost for each of them. Uh, one of them's really interesting. Um, it's the Gruel one. 
Um, and it, you can, can't play spells that have more than one of the same mana, um, man, colored mana in the mana cost. Yeah. So no double black, no triple anything. It's single color only, um, which I think would be really cool in, say, like a Niv-Mizzet um, Reborn deck. Um, I think that would be quite cool. Niv-Mizzet Reborn with that as a companion because it already costs Niv-Mizzet for you, basically, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, think, I think the companions, what's really, really, really cool, and something that I only really picked up today when I'm looking at it, is that you basically get to bond your commander. Yeah, flavorfully speaking, the companions yeah. are, are really good. Um, the idea that if you have your, like, so in, in the world of Akoria, and this is something we'll touch on, I think we'll probably touch on in both the Monster and the Humans episodes, but it's definitely more of a lore thing. In the world of yeah. Akoria, there are humans and monsters that can share an intrinsic connection, and they are called bonders. So the idea on the cardboard is that if you have your commander, uh, for example, if you're playing a, a non-commander format, then you as the player can have your bonded creature that will help you out in some big way. The drawback being that you have to make your deck work a certain way, but that even that works flavorfully because the idea is that you yourself are working in tandem with how the creature has an effect. So I think that the dinosaur hippo one, that um, Gar- uh, Garuda, Karuga? Karuga. Garuda. Yeah, um, that exactly. first got spoiled was that you had to have everything with three CMC or more. And then when yeah, you exactly. cast something with three CMC or more, you drew a card. I think it's, it's something similar. But the idea is... I think, really, yeah, yeah, I think it's when it comes in, you get you draw a card for each of that costs that or more. Yeah. So so you, you, you're working in tandem with your, your companion, which flavorfully is wonderful. I just think that this is the other way towards the, the mutate mechanic, maybe, where the mutate mechanic's really splashy, but it doesn't quite hit what the flavor is. This is super flavorful. But I think the effect is people are either going to love it or hate it. And I think a lot of people are a bit sort of lukewarm on it, to be honest, and, and will probably not enjoy it when it's actually out in the wild. That's my prediction for it anyway. Um, so I, yeah, I think this also works um, really well in um, Constructed. I think it's going to define archetypes a little bit. Um, I think that they have done the uh, stipulations just narrow enough that they're not going to become, it's not going to be too easy to sit into any one of them. Mm. I think people, when they can break them, I think there's a couple that could be very, re- not broken, but, but say capitalized on quite well and, and, and made into a, syn- into a synergistic deck that can actually be competitive. Yeah. Um, I think that they're going to keep themselves quite distinct, um, which is what I think is quite, quite cool. What I don't want to see is I don't want to see that every deck's this, these three colors and it's either this is the cyborg companion or this is the cyborg companion. It's just companions versus companions. Obviously, also the opportunity cost um, in constructed formats like standard and that kind of thing is so much more important because you've got a limited sideboard. And this will take up sideboard slots. So I think there is um, there is a de- there's deck building interest here, and I think that's why I think it's quite good, and especially in like when we already work with stipulations in Commander anyway. It's quite nice to see other formats have to kind of flex around it a little bit, um, and also in Commander it gives you another opportunity to personalise your decks, um, really stretch. And um, I'm, I, again, I, I really really I'm really tempted um, to do a Luris a Luris um, companion with Ailey, which is going to mean I'm going to have to completely revamp my deck because there are a lot of permanents in there that cost three or four or whatever. But um, it will afford you a chance to make an Ailey deck which wouldn't be the same as half the other Ailey decks out there. Even if half Ailey players, players change their decks to have that companion with Ailey, the other half still won't. So it brings more diversity into the format. And I think that's that's great. And as we like, I mean, it's it's kind of one of my sort of you know catchphrases when I talk to people about magic now is that there have been 25, 26 years of magic. If you can't afford the game design team to push into a new direction, even if you think it's bollocks, then you're in the wrong game. Go play chess. Also, yeah. Like, also, you've already got 25 years of that game then. Just go and play with that 25 years. Ignore the next year of magic. You can ignore a year of magic. Oh, yeah. You can't ignore easy. it in terms of it being played against you. <laughs> but, I mean, if you don't like a specific mechanic, as Ricky Gervais said in his stand-up, like, if you don't like a comment, you don't... It, 
you just avoid the comment. If you don't like a card, just avoid it. It doesn't just because you don't like that card doesn't mean you suddenly don't like the game. You just didn't like a certain card. Like mm. not every card is going to be liked by you. I have, or I have seen. Your play style. I have seen on Twitter. It's, this is the first uh, spoiler season that I've had an active Twitter account, and specifically for Magic as well. And I have seen more than one person, whether it's about mechanics or the book or something, say that they're going to quit Magic. And um, honestly. And if you're someone that's listening to this podcast and that's your reaction to almost anything that gets released in Magic outside of something that causes mass offense, like arguably what went on last year, but if it's something as, as benign as a mechanic in the game and you're thinking about quitting Magic, I would maybe have a conversation with yourself and find out what's going on because there's something definitely, there's something else going on with you right now. Yeah, at least have a conversation with someone else because they clearly have too many conversations with themselves because there's no one to give them an inspired opinion. Yeah, just gain a little bit of perspective. (laughs) Um, But yeah, (laughs) Companion, I'm not sure on. I I mean, yeah, I'm not really sure on on Mutate on Companion either, to be honest with you. I think Flavorfully it's wonderful. Um, I will will reserve judgment until I see people actually building decks with it in, in multiple formats. Yeah, like the two that I think that are most um, to keep eye on. I think Laris of the Dream Den, it's the Orzov one, one hybrid Orzov, hybrid Orzov. Oh, that's uh, a very three, cool card. Two. Yeah, so every permanent, has, every permanent in your deck has to be converted mana cost two or less. Um, so you can have instance of sorceries that are any mana cost. It's a three, two with lifelink, and during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. I think that's a very strong, powerful card. Even just take away the companion text, and I think it's still a strong card. Yeah, um, and I also like the fact that you can't play it as your companion and with other copies in your deck because it costs three, which I think is quite nice. It stops it from being too broken. So I think immediately people are going to want to try and break this as much as possible. People can't help it. Magic players need to break things sometimes. It's just how we work. Um, and I think it's the one that works nicely enough. I think it's a strong enough ability. I don't think it's too crazy powerful. The other one that I want to mention is um, the also um, is the uh, Boris one because uh, I think the Boris one's very very strong. Yeah, go for uh, it. And the, and the Boris one. Is um, Zerda the Dawn Waker? Um, so, and this is a elemental fox. Not that I'm biased in any way, shape, or form. Um, <laughs> for one Boris hybrid, one Boris hybrid. Um, it's a um, companion stipulation. Is every permanent again permanent card? So you can have instance of sorceries of any variety. Um, every permanent card in your deck has to have an activated ability. Now, abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. They can't be reduced to less than one. And then it has ability one tap, target creature can't block this turn. Mm. That last little bit of text, um, irrelevant. Oh, it's also one of three, three for, for what it's worth. That little last bit of text to make non-creature, so target creature can't block this turn. I think that's the only the reason they put that on there is just to make it feel like a Boris card. It's but I think that's fine. I, my my yeah. argument against it being irrelevant is that it's it's still keeping very much in the flavor of the the card but it's a boris card and the rest of the text is super interesting for red white and it's super interesting if it's a hybrid card if we're going by Mm. the way that wizards wants to do stuff as opposed to the commander rules committee if it's a just a red card or just a white card both those things are really interesting for those colors anyway um yeah i think i think having yeah the extra ability doesn't sync up with the rest of the card which makes it feel a bit jarring but the fact that it's there just shows that Mm. these creatures especially if they're a legendary creature at rare with a new mechanic they are more than just like a one-trick pony. Like you can do more stuff. Yeah. You could put this into your Mardu or Boros aggro deck, of which we both have one in EDH, and it wouldn't mm. feel so out of place. And in fact, it'd have a bit of extra benefit. Um, the, the artwork for Zidra, uh, Zerda, by the way, is by Yes Pricing, and it's fucking beautiful. So check it out. It is, this, is, this is my chase foil for the set. And oh, I yeah. say that, 
I say that strongly because there was about three or four other cards in the in the set that I really wanted foil as well. But this is my chase foil for the set. This is this is going to be endless horizons like a level of pretty. Mm. Um, and also, like the thing I like about it is it works with um, equipment. Um, it works with so not only equip, so equip costs uh, obviously get get around it, which keeps it nice and borosy. It also helps with cycling that's in the set. It makes your cycling cheaper. Um, so it's got so I think as soon as I saw it, I just thought like, you just go you just go mono mono artifacts and just go completely crazy doing um, um, stuff domination effects and stuff like that. And the mm. fact that a Boris commander allows you to do this. Oh, I'm just gonna that's me giving an applause to wizards for actually doing a really good job with Boris over the last few years because it's yeah. really really encouraging. There are a lot of white um, cards in the uh, in this set and in the commander set that are actually very good and still feel very white, but but give white the boosts that people have been begging yeah. for, for the past year. So um, yeah, I'm very excited. It's a very exciting time yeah. to be a Boris or white player. I think. Exactly. Also, you combine Zerda with the Basalt Monolith, and there you go. Infinite white mana, uh, infinite uh, mana in white, and out of your command zone. Done. Yeah, sorted. Nice, nice That's white players. You've got what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> nice and fair. Nice and fair. Exactly. <laughs> right, good. So, um, the other thing that we um, have already talked about once um, today was uh, the keyword counters. Mm. Um, and this is um, ability granting counters that will give you, let's say, vigilance, uh, trample, haste, blah, blah, blah. I think there's 10, 10 in the regular set. Um, and I think you get double strike out of the commander set. Yeah. Uh, sure double strike isn't in the regular Akori set. I think that'd be a bit too busted. Um, basically, what I like about keyword counters is it seems like it's a nice middle ground between auras and end of turn effects. These are ways that you can kind of have your instants and sorceries give a permanent buff without it being too broken. So if, you, if giving, say, plus two, plus two, and trample to a creature is good, but obviously it's only temporary. And you can do, say, plus one, plus one counter and trample and turn turn, but sometimes the trample was the important bit. And what I like is that, yes, it's going to feel a little bit clunky. Um, and I'll talk about this right, um, right at the end of Alex. I think this is, this is a big issue, I think, with this set. Um, it's going to be tracking. But what I like about it is it doesn't give you the feel-bads of doubling down with an aura. Um, but it also gives you the trickiness of having an instant. So it, kind of, it, it, it gets both sides without being too strong of, of one or the other. Whilst I, I just think I like it. And I think this works better in terms of the um, making mutating your creatures. I think this looks better, like giving something um, first strike and then adding a flying counter and then adding a hexproof counter. I think that to me feels more like mutation. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of Vorthosian, I think it works really well. Um, it has some very clever applications um, in terms of uh, gameplay as well, though. So I think, yeah, I, I like it a lot. Do you think there's an element of feel bads with this keywords uh, ability thing where the idea of keywords being counters that you can put onto stuff kind of takes away from creatures that already have those abilities like already on the card because there's an element where you can give things that didn't have these abilities you can then pump them up but the idea that keywords is something that we've already always had and when they said before the set dropped that we'd be getting all these different kinds of counters and we thought oh they're gonna be new words pumped into magic that actually the majority of these were just keywords that we already had just in a slightly different way do you think there's an element of feel bads there or do you think it's it's kind of valid for what they're trying to do Okay, right. So I think, sorry, because you started asking one question, you ended up asking a different one. You started well, I, guess, I guess they are kind of different. I think, so my, yeah, my point is, is it, is it a bit of a feel bad that people are getting a new mechanic, but with old wording, essentially? Okay, right. So I think, I think one, no, I think we already get, we already got, they made fetch a thing in this set. What the hell are people complaining about? Um, yes. I think what they, I, I think the feel bad of people expecting the deck of the set to be, Oh, we're going to get 12 new different counter effects. Could you imagine a set where you've got 12 different types of charge counters and well, every that, that individual one does a different thing, working with different subsets of cards? The set's already complicated enough. 
people that wanted like 12 different new mechanics based on counters is utterly mental in my mind I, um, I, so think, I think yeah maybe I just think because I I am definitely I'm potentially to get all five commander decks but I will definitely be getting the as uh, asban one which is abzan one which is the Cathrill, uh uh, warp weaver one which is yeah. the keywords commander and so i'm obviously i'm still pumped about the the mechanic and the way it works because i'll be getting the commander deck for it and i'll be building it but there is still a little bit of me that just kind of thinks ah so i'm just i'm still working with the same stuff essentially i'm just kind of doing it in a slightly different way which i don't know there's maybe a one percent of me that kind of thinks i would have maybe liked a new a new word in there or something or a new ability. Wait, wait, so you, wait, wait, was that a whole one leading question of you going, do you think that there's a feel bad amongst people when all you were talking about was your own personal reaction? Uh, hey, hey, well, my personal reaction, I would be, it would be very... <laughs> that was very well crafted, Andy, man. It would be very <laughs> egotistical for me to say that my reaction is so unique that no one else has that reaction as well. No, no of course not. You are a champion <laughs> of your people, Andy. You are a champion. I'm Don't just, ever hey, I'm just one different. of the guys, all right? I'm just one of the lads. I'm just asking <laughs> um, questions. So it's funny because it's funny I was going to answer the, what I thought your initial question was going to be oppositely. And that was, do you think there's a feel bad, a compa- like the creature that already had vigilance, so now just any old creature can have a vigilance counter put on them? Oh, that is rolled in that works as, yeah. yeah, so I think that the way that works is like, is your, does your 1-1, one, one, uh, does your 3-3 three, three feel bad if you put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on your 1-1? One, one? Mm. What, actually, no, literally on the game? Right. In the game. <laughs> you know, it's not as if like, I, oh, I feel sorry for my 3-3 for my three, three because I've just got one one I can put loads of counters on. It might as well be a 10-10, stupid 3-3. Three, three. I think the whole point is that um, like, there are certain creatures that inherently have it, and, that, and if anything, they are more vigilant. And this is funny with you're saying this because we, we've got, we're going to get into the more vigilance and the more menace in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, but I think the whole point is that, that this is allowing your creatures to, to adapt to you. And I think, I think it does... I can see why people would be annoyed about it, but I think this is a really clever way to allow flexibility of creatures whilst also upping... Uh, up, it's, not, it's not upping the complexity because these are all words that we already know. What it is going to do, and this is my big strike against this mechanic, is that I think tracking and bookkeeping in the game is going to be a nightmare. No, I agree. Um, not I agree. now. Not now, but imagine, and this is a really good point that came up. I can't remember if it was on Reddit or whatever. Um, I, obviously, I've been all over spoiler season. Um, but some, what someone pointed out was really, really smart idea was that it, it, give it in five years, ten years' time. Um, I struggle enough as it is with cards that I've got trying to find the tokens that I need to find because mm-hmm. it's been ten years since I've, I've had that card and now you can't get that token anymore. Like, do you have any idea how hard it is to get Godsire tokens? It's bloody mm-hmm. impossible. Um, so imagine in ten years' time where you have to then fumble around for a flying counter because you didn't happen to have your flight. Because... There's 10 new things that you have to have different items for. And yeah, okay, you might only add your, the one add a flying counter card to your, um, to your, your flying deck or whatever. Um, but if you add, like, say, a bunch of these to a proliferate deck or, say, my Pure and Toothy deck, if I add a load of those into this, uh, a load of the different ones that add Intimidate or all that nonsense, it starts getting super complicated. Because mm-hmm. not only have I got a flying counter and a Vigilance counter, it's also got two plus one plus one counters. It's probably got a fake counter on it somewhere or another. You know? Like, it, at that point, I feel like that and the mutate part is, I think, and this is something we mentioned, um, I think we've mentioned before, is that these are all really easy to track in Arena. Yes. They're very difficult to track in paper. Yeah, there's that uh, crystal golem. If someone knocks over your something. table, yeah. how do you remember what's on everything? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a, crystal golem, a crystal golem or something very similar, which is you have to uh, roll D10s for. I mean, yeah. come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, and also that, that's directly taken from an unstable card as well, where you basically, the adaptive, um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was from the unstable set. You basically had to say a keyword that hadn't been said yet. Um, and and you, add that, you add that keyword to it. And if you said one that's already been said, you remove all of the keywords from it. And it's basically that card, but in a real set. 
Mm. And it's just, yeah, again, I don't mind them leaning into how um, strong Arena is as a format. Um, I think it's fine. But I think that it, they need to be careful that they're not doing too much to a... I mean, we play Commander, we used to complicated situations. But again, I think we mentioned this last week as well. It's just going to add that extra layer of complexity, which I don't think is ultimately going to be worth it unless they continue this trend. In which case, if they do, they're going to have to go with better than punch-outs. Sorry, Wizards. There are, there are quite a few. There are a few content creators out there that are already starting to three D print uh, their own custom. Yeah, this three D printing malarkey. This is a this is a, amazing for board games and stuff like that. Like holy nonsense! Again, that's the second applause for the day. Good job, three mm. D printers, mm. for making our games easier to play. Um, All right. In terms of keyword. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, also, sorry. yeah. Moving on to the moving on to the keyword lords. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, what I like is there are two different parts that I like. I like about this a lot. Um, the fact that. You can do this as cycle. Um, there's a lot of cycling triggers in the set of where you'll have, say, a 40 with first strike. You can cycle it for two and a red. And when you cycle it, you put a first strike counter on a creature you control. Mm. Now, that I really like. One, because it means that cycling doesn't feel quite so just, oh, I just, I just, you know, cycle a card, replace it, fine, whatever. But you also can use this as a combat trick. So if in the middle of combat, you cycle, draw a card, and you give this creature first strike. I mean, basically, any of these cycling abilities basically read as, um, as cantrip keyword abilities. But the keyword, the, 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 the cantrip. Sorry, the keyword ability is permanent. It's not like just plus one, plus one, first strike into end of turn, draw a card, which is already a pretty okay card. Mm. But you now also get the permanence on it as well, which is very good. In certain, certain situations, adding first strike instant speed to then be able to attack with your big creature the next turn, that's game breaking. That's it. That's the game over. Um, so I think that's very, very clever. The fact they managed to put these counters in on cycling cards. And these are kinds of things you wouldn't necessarily be able to do with keywords as easily. Um, and I think that the counter thing, once you get used to it, will work really nicely. I think it's very potent, um, especially if you look at, say, cards like. Grim Dancer. Um, Grim Dancer is one of my like my, my the favorite cards from the set in terms of it's the um, the, the the vampire nighthawk vampire ca- counter nighthawk. I don't I can't remember. But there's a there's a name for it already out there. Um, and it's one black black for a three three. When it ends the battlefield, you choose two different types of counter um, from among menace, death touch, and life link, and you add them onto it. Build your build your own nighthawk basically. Mm. Which is a very clever card, and I like it. And this is what I like: the fact that you can be modal with spells as well, um, and the fact that because it has that permanence, I think it's quite nice. And the uh, the Ozolith, um is a card that's been printed as well that allows you to move counters around as your creatures die and all that nonsense. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity to 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 mess around with things. Um, there are some counter um, shenanigans that happened with um, Lawwin as well, um, and Lawwin and Shadow There's some counter uh, counter shenanigans you can get away with. So I think. It offers up the opportunity to mess around with a lot of things. Um, and they haven't gone for any of the obnoxious ones, really. Like, Double Strike's only available at the Commander product. Um, there's only one creature so far that can do a Hexproof counter, and it's a six-mana um, choice of Flyer or Hexproof. So those are two quite powerful counters, um, and they've put them on a six-drop. So I think they've balanced the set quite well. I think the play design team, especially in limited formats, have been very clever, and I think they're quite good at making sure things aren't too busted. So I have a lot of faith that I think that it will work nicely. Um, I just think it'll work a lot better on Arena, um, which I think is yeah. a shame. Yeah. A shame. But it also leads me nicely into my next little um, next little category, and that's being able to add keywords to uh, creatures really helps when we have a cycle of keyword lords, mm. which are very interesting. Now, these keyword lords are basically a cycle um, that, that basically turn your keyword into a super keyword. Um, there's only five of them thus far. I think we're only going to get five of them. They're all allied pair hybrids. Um, this is to help support the um, the format of uh, the um, structure of the format in terms of colours. Um, basically, you've got a two-two with flying that makes all other flying creatures. Um, sorry, all flying creatures have to pay an ad- you have to pay an additional two to target them if you're an opponent. Um, so it gives it. I think um, we had one in Ravnica that did the same thing, um, but it gives it to all of your flying creatures. Um, you've got Cunning Nightbonder, which is a two-drop Dimir 
um, um, Dimmer Hybrid, Dimmer Hybrid for a 2 2 with Flash. Other spells with Flash cost one less and can't be countered. So not only are they flashy, they're even flashier. Your Menace strong. creatures now have to be blocked by three or more creatures. Ooh. Your Vigilant creatures, you now gain a life at the end of, at the end of turn for each vigi- creature with Vigilance that you control. So it allows you to gain even more life on the back on the fact that they're not even tapped anymore. Like, so you're attacking with all these creatures, they're there to block, and you're gaining life every turn. That's really annoying. And That's then Trample strong. gets super trampled. Whenever a creature with Trample, um, and they basically they can assign their combat damage as if they weren't blocked. So no, no matter extra damage getting over, no, 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 all the damage is getting through. So... What I like with this set is the fact that you have the opportunity to give instant speed. I mean, Flashes, I think, is the only one that didn't get a, didn't get a, um, a counter, which is a shame for the Cunning Night Bonder. But, you know, I think that's also one of the more broken ones. But the fact that you can do this instant speed on, on creatures, um, say, giving a flying counter to a creature to make him, you have to pay two more to target it, that's basically a counter spell. You know, um, the um, menace one, if you're adding menace to something and then having to make it be blocked by at least three, more, three or more creatures, if you do that in, before combat, again, a f- fantastic ability and allows, allows you to get through unblocked. Like, these, these are the kinds of things that, um, and don't run, they're all uncommon, so they're not going to be like, you know, rife. But the fact that they are adding this support into the mechanics, uh, whilst also allowing you to pick and choose which of your creatures have that mechanic, means you don't have to worry about, oh, I didn't draft enough creatures with menace. Because it's not only creatures with menace in the set, there's also opportunity um, for you to add the counters onto your creatures to get the menace as well. So it does bump them up. And any of these creatures by themselves, maybe apart from the uh, Dimmer one, are all by themselves pretty decent. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you don't, <laughs> the fact that you get keyword, keyword lords is super fun. Um, the worst thing about the keyword lords is though, there's not just an uncommon cycle. No, Andy man, no, Andy man. There's, <laughs> there's also a rare cycle of, 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 of keyword lords. Uh, which to me <laughs> is absolutely bonkers. Um, so basically, I'm just going to list one of them because otherwise we'll be here all day. But the Labyrinth Raptor, for example, is the Menace one. So oh, it's yes. red and the black for a 2 2 with Menace. Um, whenever a creature you control with Menace becomes blocked, defending player sacrifices a creature blocking it. Red, black, <laughs> creatures you control with Menace get plus one, plus zero until end of turn. So not only do you have to block with two creatures to be able to block anything, one of them's going to get sacrificed before they even deal damage, so you need to make sure you block with two creatures that can kill it. If you have the Uncommon Lord with this Lord, you have to block with three creatures, and you have to sacrifice one of them, making sure those two creatures don't also die. Otherwise, you're getting three for one per creature. <laughs> That's mental. That and the other thing strong. I like about this is all of the rare ones are beasts and cats and nightmares. They're the, they're the, the monsters. All of the Uncommon ones are humans so you can in your own limited format if you get the rare and the uncommon not only is your deck going to be bonkers if you get any more of the same keywords in them but together they are a bonded pair like yeah, this, that's set, super flavorful. this set flavorfully wise i don't have enough chef i don't have enough hands to chef kiss this set <laughs> okay it's, yeah, it's not i possible. think i think they've really knocked it out of the park i think uh, i think they've obviously tried to to go ham with the mechanics to try and fit the flavor of what's going on and i think yeah for the most part they've done a fantastic job um, so yeah, so this leads. Um, so basically, the way I looked at this is the fact that all of these are allied colours. Um, colours. The fact that in a wedge set, every enemy pair is going to be represented by two different wedges. What I like is the fact they've put these uncommon cycles. They've put them on a different axis, so that's not based on the key um, on the um, archetypes of each of the wedges as such, because they're all a little bit looser. Um, but the fact that you give support to the ally color when your enemy colors are supported by two of the different wedges, your ally colors are now supported by an uncommon and a rare that allows you to look at the keyword abilities of trample, vigilance, whatever, instead of having to look at the rest of the text and the rest of the deck. That it basically allows like, each deck to run as like a, a hyper um, combat deck 
because mm. all of them are combat based. You've got trample, vigilance, menace, flash less so. The flash one, Dim is also got always got a buck the trend, really hasn't it? So I mean, fuck, fuck Dim, it's ruining my point. But <laughs> the rest of them all work within combat, which I think is quite um, quite important to allow you to uh, basically not have to worry about doing all these value engines, just value engines, just turn everything sideways because it's probably going to work out quite all right for you. Yeah. Um, and I quite like limited formats where that works because I like playing aggressive. But, uh, you know, that's me. Um, but yeah, moving from um, two colours to uh, three colours. Um, we really haven't really talked about the fact of the wedginess of the set, um, but it is a wedge set. Yes. Um, that means that all five of the different wedges from Tarkir are represented. Um, we have Savai being the Mardu um, wedge, um, Ketria being the Teema, Indartha being the Absan, Raugrin being the Jeskai, and Zagoth being Sultai. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously these are all supported. I mean, they're supporting the fact that they all have, um, we have enough artifacts and mana kind of in the set to support-ish. From what we can see so far, support-ish a three-color three format. Um, by that, what I mean is I think this is probably going to look more like a two-color with splash set rather than full three-colour set. There's plenty um, of mana fixing going on with rocks and, and various different uh, alliance yeah. things that do similar stuff. So, yes, yeah, so we've, got, so we've got the crystals, didn't we? What they call, mm. yeah. yeah, the crystals, which all not only cycle themselves, um, but also uh, tap for one of any of the three colours for three mana. The same as the monoliths. Uh, not monoliths, uh, Grixis? Mon, mon, yeah, monoliths. I think it was monoliths. Monoliths, anyway, from Alara, but they also cycle. So they're giving you a bit of extra utility there. Um, each of the wedges has its own apex predator. We've already we kind of spoke to that a little bit about that last week. Um, what's your favourite, Andy? Uh, my favourite is the uh, Sultai one. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really what, like for, it for, for vision, for mechanic. Uh, so it's Brokos Apex of Forever. So it's two uh, black, green, blue, uh, and it's a Nightmare Beast Elemental six six. It has mutate for two generic, a Dimir Hybrid green green. Um, if you cast the spell for his. Uh, mutate cost, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and its mutate thing is you may cast Brokos, uh, Apex of Forever, from your graveyard using its mutate ability. And it also has Trample as well. Uh, the reason I like this, I mean, the artwork is great, um, but the reason I like this is that it's actually for mutate, which is already kind of a kind of a complicated mechanic uh, on the look of it. It's actually a really simple mutate ability. And the fact that you can, if you have this as your commander, or if this is your kind of bomb in limited, then you can keep bringing it back. And I like the idea that this is mutating because it's the Sultai colors. And because it's an uh, elemental, the fact that it's, it's never necessarily going to die. You mutate this, you put it back on top of whatever other pile of mutate things you have, and suddenly you have this Broco creature again, but it's that in addition to everything else. I think it's, yeah, I think it's in design, and I, I really like it. I really I like the simplicity of it in a complex yeah. mechanic, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. So I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think Brokos is a known, not only is it not, does it look like the least broken, but, mm. um, but I also, in, yeah, in lore, I think it's the oldest living a creature that people can like that people know about like it, sure. it, it outdates even the other apex predators i think so obviously you know being apex of forever or whatever that would make a lot of sense mm. um so yeah so i mean the apex predators are obviously very, very cool they also define um each like mechanically each um wedge has its own like denizen um i think in terms of like looking at the format there aren't that many tri- um, triple color cards um especially not even a common um or, um, or uncommon so i think they're deliberately trying to push you will likely splash maybe a couple of big um, powerful spells, but they're not pushing the same way with Khan's was to have three colours all the way through down, because, especially because Khan's got away with it with having morph creatures of sure. where every single 
deck had colorless, um, you know, three mana two twos in the same way that this set has cycling in it. So it allows you to kind of cycle and smoothen out your draws in the early set and in the early few turns. Um, I don't think it's encouraging you to, to play full three colors. Um, there is an ultimatum cycle, however, oh, yeah. that's, that's now coming, which is great finishing off a cycle. I think this is the cycle that people, um, that Mario said that everyone's been waiting 10 years for us to finish. Mm. Um, because it was about 10 years ago where Alara came out and that's where you got Clarion, Violent, Titanic, Brilliant, and fuck. Um, cruel. There we go. I missed that one <laughs> I actually played. There we go. I got them all. Um, so, if you look um, at some of the alternations, we're only missing one at the moment. I think we're missing the Teamer one, um, which is really annoying because I'm a Maelstrom Wanderer play um, player and it's the seven mana going to do something crazy in Teamer Colors cards, so I'm literally salivating. Mm. Um, but if you look at the power level of them compared to the uh, um, last one, the Violent Ultimatum, I think, was uh, the Gruul one, um, and that was just to th destroy three target permanents. Yes. Whereas Ruinous Ultimatum, which is the Mardi <laughs> one, um, destroys all non-land permanents your opponents control. Yeah, power creep's just, a thing, apparently. Big plague wins, big boy plague wins. Garrick, uh, Ingarak's Wake, but cheaper. I mean, obviously, this, this is more expensive. I mean, it's harder to cast, so it's red, red, white, 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 black, black. Um, and if you've not experienced cool-looking um, casting costs before, then, yeah, your eyes really do go yum, 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 yum. Eat that up, thank you. Um, so what I think, th th what, the reason I bring them up is because I don't think that these are supposed to be played limited. I think that they're likely, the reason they put them at such an ob ob obnoxious cost um, is something for you to, um, to aspire to in, in standard formats. But I think if you cast these in limited, I think you're doing very well for yourself. Oh, yeah, you, pro you probably deserve them. a bit of a clap, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're not playing the green ones. Like, the green one, green does have some uh, colour fixing in the set. So if you're playing Emergent or Riri Ultimatum or the eventual Teamer one, a bit more reasonable. Playing Ruinous or, um, um, I think it's brilliant, isn't it? I can't remember what it's called now. I had the uh, Jessica one. Um, oh, immaculate. 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 Yeah, if you're playing either of those, um, yeah, good luck. I mean, not only the reason, obviously, that, that these cost so ridiculous amounts of mana is because they do win the game when they when they get resolved in typical formats. Um, but also, it's a nice pat on the back to us at Play Commander, going, "Hey, do you want something utterly, utterly horrendously broken, which you don't mind casting? Yeah, here, have five of them. Enjoy." Um, so yeah, I think I think they're really the the reason I like having a wedge set is not only does it push. Um, I've got four out of the five wedges as, as commander decks, so it gives me a lot of fuel to play around with. It allows them to push the envelope on the power of cards. You can make ultimate ultimatums, the most broken, busted. I I win the game cards um, because they are, do cost so much, and I think they were able to really push them. And I think it's quite nice that they're at rare as well. They're not a mythic, so they're not going to be too expensive. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that these are for Commander, not for Limited. I think this is an indication of where they, they, the, the worst players in Magic are just going to sit there and go, I definitely want to just play Immaculate Ultimatum. That's the only thing I care about doing out of my draft experience. And they're not, they might, might not be disappointed, but I imagine most times out of 10, they will be disappointed and sure. not be able to cast their seven-drop sorcery. Um, because of that, I think they then did a cycle of um, triple-color cards that were viable in Limited, and that's the... Um, Enchantment cycle. Now we've only seen three of them, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get a full cycle out of them. Um, that's Offspring's Revenge is the Mardu one. Um, it's two red, white, black for uh, an enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, exile red, white, or black creature from your graveyard. Create a token copy of it that's a 1-1 one, one with haste. Um, and, and, and again, it's haste instead of turn. So it's an way to like, rebuy your stuff. Oh. Uh, Song of Creation, which is the Thema one. One green, blue, red. Um, allows you to play an additional land each turn. Uh, whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards. Um, and that's it. That's the rest of the number. <laughs> and at the end of your turn, uh, discard your hand, um, which, yeah, okay, is a bit of a downside. But I mean, what I like about these is it's kind of giving you um, a push on what the set, on what your, um, it's telling you what the wedge is doing. 
Um, the problem with wedges is that wedges tend to become a bit more diluted. I mean, all of the guilds have very distinct um, identities, but the wedges, yeah, not so much. Not so much. And as much as, yeah, Offspring's Revenge seems to combine um, sacrificing with tokens that aristocrats feel, um, Song of Creation does the same thing, of where you're playing more lands, playing more spells, but you've got the red bit of it. Oh, okay, we well, have to discard your hand each time. Sure. I mean, my, my favourite cards in the Team Wedge and the Abzan Wedge are those enchantments. Uh, so, oh, really? Yeah, oh, Abzan okay. has Death's Oasis. Um, yeah, yeah, have a thought which... about that. Yeah, uh, which is whenever you, whenever a non-token creature you can uh, troll dies, put the top two cards of your library in your graveyard, then return a creature card with a lesser converted mana cost than that creature that died from your graveyard to your hand. So it's nice recycling, uh, which is what uh, Golgari is all about. And then uh, uh, pay one generic, sacrifice death to Oasis, you gain life equal to the greatest converted mana cost amongst creatures you control, which uh, again is a nice sort of like Orzov or white thing. So it's kind of combining all those Abzani colours. Mm-hmm. But my favourite favourite, and this might be one of my favourite cards in the set, certainly my favourite artwork by Noah Bradley, is Song of Creation, which is one green, blue, red, which is the team or enchantment. Uh, you may play an additional land on each of your turns. Whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards, and at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. <laughs> so it's it's got everything firing on. It's got the creation and the spell slinging of all these different colours, because green, because, um, well, Simic, I suppose, and then red and blue love doing that. It's got the card draw from all these different things, but it's also got the red element of you discarding your hand, so it's, like, it's, it's just pure mm-hmm. creation, and it's... For a card called Song of Creation, I think, yeah, it fires on all levels. Um, yeah. I don't quite know what's going on in the artwork. It certainly doesn't seem to fit. Flavor. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm, we need to ask Noah. I'm going to ask. I'm going to. I'm going to message him on Reddit when he when he posts it. Well, I think Cynthia he always posts. He always posts his artwork, um, especially when he did all of the um, uh, legendary sorceries. He always posts his artwork up to Reddit and has a bit of discussion. I'm going to. I'm going to query. I'm going to query exactly what it's like. This is one of this is by the way this is one of the other cards that I was um it's in my like top ten for foil out of uh, foil treatment because mm-hmm. it is stunning, um and it's slipping nicely into Maelstrom Wanderer because I, I fancy drawing twenty cards a turn. Yes, thank you. That'd be yeah, lovely. but um, so yeah, it's just funny that you mentioned this enchantment cycle because in a set yeah. full of creatures, two of my favourite cards are the enchantments. Yeah, see, I don't care about the. I mean, the, the funny thing is, I'm I'm a bit of an aesthetic whore when it comes to cards, like. If you put a load of colours on it, um, or you put a nice little flare on it, like, all of the companions jump out at me because they have a fusion of colours. Um, again, the treatment they do on the banner for the legendary um, hybrid cards is amazing. Um, also, if you put three colours on a card, I don't know why my brain just again they make the cards yellow. Nathan likes them. That just happens. I can't. I can't, I can't change my biology. Um, and yeah, these just for some reason. They, I think the fact they've done themselves justice as well. All of the cards do something interesting. Like Death's Oasis, people are like, why does it have the ability to to gain life at the bottom? Like, what you don't notice is not only is it good life gain, sacrifice, blah 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 blah, but you ca- it's not a choice the first ability. So if someone wraths you, you can mill out. Whereas if you sacrifice it in response, you don't. Yeah, it's almost like they were built to be competitively viable. And I get the people, you know, and that's what I like about it. It does it does feel like because I thought the Offspring's Revenge was shit. I was like, oh, I'm not going to play this in my Mardu deck. Why do I play this in my Mardu deck? Until I realised it allows me to put my commanders into my graveyard and then make token copies of them mm-hmm. and then replay them and then be able to replay them again after the tokens have died. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, so basically that, was, that was me basically poo-pooing a card because it didn't fit into my niche of what I want for my Mardu deck and then realised I can flex my Mardu deck around the card. So it doesn't really matter. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so what, what I think is interesting, though, is looking at this is, yes, this is a wedge, a wedge set. Um, but there is a hell of a hell of a lot of push, I think, towards being able to play two colours comfortably, three colours with enough with enough fixing. And again, we haven't seen all of the commons, so I think we've still got a little bit to come out as well. But um, I think the whole place of the sets, especially with hybrid, I think they've balanced it very nicely to be able to play just 
you're not going to be able to pay everything. And if you do try and pay everything, you're going to be punished for being a little bit greedy. And I think that's fair. The thing of this set is that it really rewards greed sometimes because some of the effects you're going to get are going to be bonkers. The other ones are so inherently synergistic, you kind of need to go all in on some strategies. Um, the fact that, so basically there's an uncommon, arch, um, an un, the uncommon archetype cycle um, is what I like to call it. It's basically they'll do usually, especially in limited formats, I'm um, sorry, um, uh, core sets, they'll have a uncommon from each color, each tool, two color combination that kind of tells you what that color combination is supposed to be doing um from the allied colors we've obviously seen all of the different keyword abilities um that keyword lord cycle is the allied cycle of uncommon archetype yeah. signifiers though um the enemy ones are funny because you don't have one cycle you've got three cycles now if you weight that compared to the one cycle of uncommons that are for the allied cycle it shows that they are trying to push you towards playing enemies enemy color combinations because specifically Orzov is both present in Mardu colors and it's also present in Abzan colors. So they want you to be able to play basically instead of the five different colors of magic, you're playing five different enemy archetypes, but there's support for the other one if you want to go off, off, off brands and try and be flexible. Um, and they, it's funny because you get basically a cycle of mutates. So each of them have a mutate card that's, um, um, that's like um, one, of, one of each of its colors. And then it all has like generic effects. Um, there's also then another, another say what I call the flagship uncommon that doesn't have mutate. The Simic one does, which denotes to me that not only is the Simic mechanic more likely to be a little bit more mutatey, I think red-white's going to do the cycling trigger thing more, whereas I think Sultai colors are going to do the more mutate thing. We'll see where the final numbers end up, even though all colors have mutate at the moment. We'll see how it's weighted by the end. Um, so there's also a flagship cycle. Um, basically, they have cycling for Boros, Non-creatures for is it shockingly, um, graveyard recursion for black green shockingly, humans slash uh, tokens. So it's gonna be human support as well as token support, um, kind of aristocraty for the ores of um, for the ores of pair, sure. um, and then top of library slash mutate for the cynic one. Now the reason I say this is because it has two mutate uncommons. Um, which makes me feel like, again, the mutate side is going to be quite strong for the Simic colours. But I also think that they're going to have a bit of top of deck manipulation because a lot of the teamer cards do things like exile off the top of your library until you hit a permanent, things like that. So I think there's going to be a bit of top of deck nonsense as well in the blue-green um, guild. So these clearly show kind of what the different archetypes across are. But um, in general, I, 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 think, I think that um, they also have like a, a non-creature cycle for the, for the enemy pair. So I think that they're kind of pushing you towards playing two two colors and then splashing an extra color on top yeah um, definitely seems that to way. See about how how your draft goes accordingly um because you might you might do the thing of where you open up um kahira the um, the orphan guard which is one of the uh, companions and then you just go well i only want cats elementals nightmares and that sets your limitation for your for your um for your draft you might open the rare that plays with menace creatures so for the rest of the draft you go specifically for menace creatures you might open up your cycling cards you go specifically for cycling the fact they give you all these different options to go for really short sh shoehorn strategies but there are so many different types of strategies that all have a little bit of overlap it denotes a really clever set to me in terms of mechanical um, synergy, um, as well as how it feels just as you're playing as well. Like I feel like a lot of the cards go do a lot of things with each other, and, and I, I think that the set has a lot of depth. Yeah, so um, do I. maybe too much depth, but I guess let's see. Well, we'll have to see. It's better to have too much than too little. Indeed. Right. So um, before we move on quickly to Commander, because we have to fit that in as well. Um, standouts. Have you got some standouts for the set? Yeah, so other than my two um, enchantments that I said earlier on, um, I really like the Mythos cycle, which I know I think you do as well. 
Yeah, um, okay. I don't have, sorry, I don't have to mention them then. That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll just... So, I mean, if I was to read... I've got Mythos of Snap decks. So, each one of this Mythos cycle is a sorcery, um, which is based around one of the apex uh, creatures that are also in the set. Um, and they all are monocolored cards or have a monocolored casting cost at the top, but then get an extra effect if you add in the other two colors of its wedge. So, for example, Mythos of Snap decks, Snap decks being the Mardu one, is two white white uh, and then each player uh, chooses an artifact a creature an enchantment and a planeswalker from amongst the non-land permanents they control and sacrifices the rest which is uh what's the what's the gideon card that has that on it tragic arrogance, tragic arrogance. yeah so it's essentially tragic arrogance um but then if uh, a bread and a black was spent to cast this spell so in the two generic mana slot uh you choose the permanence for each player instead so again, it's it's allowing you to play this card in two color strategies or one color strategy, um, but it's also giving the option if you wanted to go for the full wedge to get that extra super flavorful effect of adding in that Rakdos element to your your white board weight. Then um, yeah, it allows you to do so, and they will have this similar kind of thing. The artwork as well is by Seb McKinnon on all of these. Um, and they're done like cave paintings, so it's kind of like the the tales of these creatures of old that are coming to destroy the human realms, and they all have a similar sort of feel. And uh, yeah, they are they're pretty amazing. I think I think they're they're very yeah. flavorful and they're very very good. Yeah, yeah, the only one we're missing again is the Tima one at the moment. We haven't got the Tima one. We've seen all of the other ones, and they all have very very cool effects. Mm. Um, I just like the fact that it is in the same way we got the um, sagas in Theros. I like the fact that we get not only the creatures themselves in the set, but the mythos around them as well. Yeah, very quite, cool. It, it gives them a bit more gravity. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, carry on. Have you got any, any, any other spices? Well, actually, I mean, to be honest with you, other than the enchantments and the, uh, the mythos one, the only other one I suppose I should have mentioned, we haven't really talked about the planeswalkers, and I think they probably deserve a oh, discussion okay, cool, yeah. at some point. But I will just say that there is a Jeskai-coloured Narset planeswalker yeah. in this set. Pick that one off of my list as well. Oh, please. is that on your list as well? Well, there we go. Well, let's yeah, talk absolutely. about it. Then. Of course, it's a Jeskai card. Of course, I mean, it's on my list. So <laughs> obviously, she was a Jeskai creature, and that was in her colour. Mm -hmm. And she's from obviously Tarkir, where Jeskai Wedge has a lot of relevance. Um, and then her two planeswalker cards are Azorius and just Mono Blue. So the fact that she's gone back into being Jeskai and that her abilities reflect this as well, I think is fantastic. It seems a mm. lot more aggressive than the other two Narsets, which shows that that red ability is kind of coming in as well, but still is all around sort of spell slinging and, and what have you. Um, I think her minus two, which is draw a card, then you may discard a card. When you discard a non-land card this way, Narset the Ancient, uh, Narset of the Ancient Way, which is her name, uh, deals damage. Not old, Andy, jeez. <laughs> uh, deals damage equal to the cards, converted mana cost to target creature or planeswalker. So again, adding that red into the spell slinger of you discarding mm -hmm. cards, that kind of, you know, looting thing, is very, very cool. And um, yeah, yeah, in general, very, very strong Narset card, I think. Yeah. Also, the ultimate's only minus six, and she starts at four, so you can get that off like after two turns. She does the uh, the plus one is you gain two life, and you add blue, red, or white. Spend this mana only to cast non creature spell. So she's definitely going to be um, one to watch. You don't want her to tick up too much, and ticking up doesn't involve an effect which is so bonkers that it catches people's attention. It's just ramping. So it's yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely something that you're going to have to be careful with. And I think yeah, for yeah, for she's an asset. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, she's going into she's going to cut Kakara as soon as I can possibly fit her in. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So mine, mine are a little bit um, a little bit more um, around and about. 
So I deliberately didn't choose wedgie ones because I, I wanted you to choose the wedgie ones. And we haven't yeah. actually got that many crazy wedgie cards that we didn't already talk about in terms of ultimatums and the enchantment cycle and blah, 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 that kind of thing. Um, sticking with crazy enchantments, one thing that I, I, I really like about this set is that they've done quite a lot of top-down designs. Um, my first two are very top-downy designs. One of them is 100% meme card. And having looked at the token, um, is like 1,000% meme card. And that's um, Shark Typhoon. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, which is a, a six mana enchantment for five and a blue. Um, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. Um, so it's a bit like metallurgic summonings in that regard. Um, you can cycle it for X one and a blue. Um, when you do cycle it, um, if for whatever the X cost you paid, you get an XX blue shark creature token with flying, as well as discarding and drawing a card for the uh, cycle ability. The reason I like this is because they made Sharknado a fucking magic card, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> they made yeah, Sharknado happen, and it's good. And I want to play it in things, and I don't hate it. This, it's well, surprisingly, you don't hate acceptable. it. This, this surprisingly card's acceptable. A, this card's gotten a lot of flack online. I like, know. I some know. people really don't. This like is the kind it. of thing that I imagine people quit over, and I'm like, yeah, all right, fair enough. I get where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and no. It definitely feels like they've taken silverboarded ideals and blackboarded them, which I think for one one set every few, like fuck it, why not? Let them do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they cut. We, since I think we're going to go back to really sad Zendikar where um, everything's already dead and we're trying to get daisies to grow. And why won't they grow? Why won't, why are the, why won't the children stop crying? Um, and then <laughs> straight after what I think is going to be a set of Teferi trying to get Zalfir to phase back, and I think he's probably going to fail. So I think we're going to have a couple of really sad sets. So I think it's quite nice that they went, yeah, big splashy Sharknado. <laughs> we made Sharknado a card. Fuck the haters. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, agree. I think this thing is amazing. And the fact is, it works top down as a card as well, which is great for me. Um, the next top down, which I think works really well, is Cogler um, or Kogler, the Titan Ape. Now, this is a three green, green, green for a seven, six legendary creature ape. Um, now, with all of the stuff that came out around Godzilla, because um, um, wizards don't mind doing collaborations with Toho, Toho do not have the rights to King Kong. That did not stop wizards going, we're putting King Kong in the set anyway, screw all of you. Oh, nice. Um, and when I say top down, this is why it's top down. Because when it enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Fine, Kong's angry. Cool, get it. When it attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. So that's it tearing up one of those buildings it's climbing up, right? The big one, one in a green, return target human you control to its owner's hand to give indestructibility to Kogler or Kogler or whatever you call him. But... That's, that's the human that he's protecting. Mm. Like, it, they just put Kong on a card. And the thing is, you can do some silly things with it, with, um, with things like Borderland Ranger, um, to constantly bounce that back and forward. Um, there's a couple of others that you can do as well. This, to me, is not only a really... This is like a nice, strong, mono-green commander that does a lot of good things. The only thing is, uh, people complain that it's a bit too much of a bend for it to fight when it enters the battlefield, because it's a bit too much like a ravenous Chupacabra. And when it's a 6-mana 7-6, ah. when it's a 6-mana 7-6, I kind of agree a little bit. I there's another card that we'll talk about. There's another card we'll talk about. This I mean, we probably should talk about it now, actually, and that's the um, the green card fight card where you reveal a creature from your hand and it deals damage equal to that creature's power, but you don't have to have the creature in play. Mm. Now that's pissing people off because why should green get removal when the creature's not in play? Where normally removal and card draws based on the things that they have in play permanently. That I now, see I'd point th- to. Yeah. Yeah. See, Kogler, I don't mind him fighting when he comes in. He's a big angry ape. Fair enough. And he costs you three green mana in a multicolored set. That's the other thing to don't, not, not to forget. If you've got a card that costs, say, three black, 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 and you're playing in a wedge set, that's just as difficult to play as a wedge card in a monocolor set. Mm. So, 
it's going to be not as difficult to play Kogla as, as, as I'm making out because he's just green, green, green. And also, if you open this card and you're not playing green, you're an idiot because um, it's powerful. But I like the fact that it's top down all the way through. Sure. Um, in terms of actual power, I've only got one, one two, two that I, I kind of want to talk about just because I think one of them is basically the next Tarmogoyf and the other one's something that strokes me in all kinds of nice ways. Um, Fiend Artisan is the Tarmogoyf kind of watch out card, I think. This is one of the ones to watch, I think, for modern. I think it's going to be very strong. Um, it's Hybrid Golgari, Hybrid Golgari. So that's two um, for a 1-1. One, one, it gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard, similar to White of Precinct 6 or Boneyard Worm or something like that. But you can pay X and a Golgari hybrid tap, sacrifice another creature to search your library for a creature, cast, a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield. So it's a variable burning pod-esque effect. And you don't have to go one higher. It's basically however much mana you put in and you get something that costs less. The thing that I think is silly powerful about this is not only is it a two mana five five potentially because it gets plus one plus one for each creature in your graveyard, it can search for another one of itself and put it directly onto the battlefield as you try to remove it. Very strong. That's very strong in my mind. So I think that's one to watch out for. The other card that I really like is Rye. I think her name's Rye. I don't know what the vernacular of the, of the, um, of the, of the set is, but I don't think it's Riel. Riel the Everwise, but I don't know because it's oh, R yes, the is E L L E. So I'm not sure. I don't think it's like Spanish where you don't pronounce the L's and things, but I mean, it's probably real, to be fair. I, I read it it's, like, it's like the whole Anya thing where everyone calls it Angie and apparently Angie's right, even though, please, it makes me throw up in my mouth. It's Anya, for God's sake. Um, um, cool. Yeah, real. Yeah, real. One, one blue red for a zero three. It gets plus one, plus zero for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. Um, I play Nakuza. This is going to do some horrible, horrible things to people. That is all. You could choose not to play Nakuza. No, I've got a Nakuza deck. I can't not play Nakuza in a Nakuza deck. Yeah, I'm that's what I'm saying. You could, just, you could just choose not to play that deck. So you're saying I should take another pack? That's another one of my decks that I need to take apart for you, Andy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Fuck! I was expecting that. All right, shit. Uh, okay, no, I don't mind Nakuza at all. No, yeah, no, you're right. She's she's um, <laughs> she's Damn. very cool, and yeah, she's got a lot of yeah. cool applications. Um, we're yeah, slightly exactly. running out of time. Did you want to quickly? All right, cool. We can we can do Probably. Commander another time if you want to. Um, I think Commander probably deserves its own little little episode. Yeah, to be honest with you. Let's yeah. do that then. Let's do that. Let's do a separate one for Commander because there was a lot to talk about in this set. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Looking looking at what I want to mention in the on the Commander part. I think a lot of it will actually have more to talk about than what I expected to. I don't think it's going to be a breeze past. So, yeah. The only thing I'll say about them is I think value-wise, I think they're quite worth it. I think they're quite interesting. Um, reprints are good. This anyway, is the first that's time. That's, that's, well, my, yeah. that's my bubbles. Yeah, bubbles this, is the, this is the first time that I'm looking into getting all five. I've never done that for any of the other sets. Um, mm. And I think this is the yeah, first there's a lot of, there's a, a Yeah, there's a cycle in there, I think, that's very, very, very strong. Oh, uh, that free cycle, I think, very strong. Um, but I also like the fact that they tied it directly into the set. I think it's going to help sell both because not only are you buying cards from the set and then you've also got a commander product that directly is supported by it. So if you just bought some standard cards, you did a couple of drafts, you went, how can I flex this more? Oh, I'll buy the commander deck and add all your cards to it. Boom. Awesome. Sorted. You've got your first commander deck and it's probably really sweet. Mm. Other way around, if you buy one of the commander decks and you're looking for some way to spice it up, oh, I've got all these cards directly coming out in the exact same set at the exact same time and they're going to be cheaper because they're not hard to get hold of because they're being released now. Um, yeah. I think it's very clever. Yeah, I, very think clever. I think it's a cool idea. It's a little bit hard to track with uh, spoilers as they're coming out um, and trying yeah. to talk about if, say if you're So obviously we play, we play a little bit of limited, we play a little bit of draft, and then we also play commander mainly. If you're only a standard or limited player, 
having these commander products coming out at the same time is maybe a bit of a head fuck for you because <laughs> you're just going, yeah. oh, I can't play with any of these cards. Yeah, it only worked to the fact they managed to fit it all into the weekends and obviously isolation meant that we need something to be doing, so I'm very glad that they did. I think when all the cards look like they could be from the set, beyond things like, you know, the Devour card or whatever like that, I think that was, that was maybe a faux pas because I think you can't just be going, oh, so is this, oh, I've got this really cool mutate card is going to be in standard and you build a deck and you realize, oh, no, that was the mutate card spoiled for, oh, Commander. Oh, great, awesome. So, yeah, I think that can lead to real bad. So I think the problem there is that one of the sets, one of the, one of the decks from the set had specifically the, the Ikoria mechanic as its main mechanic. Um, so I think that's maybe a foolish <laughs> maybe that was foolish but you know I think it's fine Thanks, mm. yeah I agree cool uh, alright then guys so that was our little breakdown of Aquaria the main set of Aquaria all the mechanics and bits and bobs um, obviously the set isn't even fully spoiled yet at time of recording no. we still have half a day's worth of spoilers to come out so there'll be lots of discussions there'll be probably a lot more things to talk about in future uh, episodes as far as the Mel and the yeah. Volfos combining guys I think it's like 90, like 90-ish cards left to go, and a lot yeah. of them are going to be common. So it, the big splashy effects we've mostly seen, like we've seen 99% of the big splashy effects. There's a couple still to come, but most of it's just the rest of the filler. But obviously 100%. we're going to talk about that in length next week. Indeed. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, obviously all the cards will be released because it will probably come out day after recording. So hit us up on uh, Twitter at MT Flavoring and tell us your thoughts on the set. Uh, was there anything that you thought that we missed that's nice, big and splashy? Is there anything that we liked that you want us to tell, uh, tell us to fuck off and die over? Um, because people have some <laughs> I was strong say you opinions. want to disagree with anything. That's oh, so much better. People, people are like, hyped up about this set, dude. Like they've got some. Yeah, Boad, fuck off and die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah let us know um, our uh, email is mtflavoring at gmail.com uh, my personal twitter is at Andy Manface. Nathan yours is at the fox in the moon at the fox in the moon uh, I, I promise to maybe eventually be more active <laughs> we'll see yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah so guys I have read through the Sundered Bond by Django Wexler and Nathan you're starting reading it today I believe is that right mine's literally it's literally open in front of me yeah. excellent cool so by the time that you we will be next recording or at least doing our lore episodes on monsters and humans we will have read through the book and we will be referencing it so if you want to read the book before you listen to the podcast I suggest getting on it it is now available uh, on different ebook platforms i'm not quite sure where it is available everywhere um yeah google play was on discount so if you've got a google account go from there it was a one pound discount down to like 280 or something like that oh nice um, i'd highly recommend it and you can you can read it straight through your browser you don't have to worry about having a kindle or anything like that so um Absolutely. yeah yeah get it on guys it's um i'm not going to say anything whether it's good or bad or not all i will say is that i enjoyed it um but yeah, as with any art form, it's it's kind of subjective. And I think <laughs> that's such, no a, such a weighted way to say. It. Well, you know, I'm not going to say anything about it, but yeah. <laughs> some people, good, again, good. some people haven't. Some people have had some really strong opinions against it. I think that's probably just the lesson. Shocking that magic players have strong opinions about things. Yeah, it's I guess. Terror. In this in this time where we're sat at home with nothing better to do but argue over base semantics. <laughs> sure. Well, guys, <laughs> anyway. stay stay safe. Wash your hands, and as always, yeah. this has been Magic the Flavoring. We'll see you soon. <laughs>